Section 6B, Law of Armed Conflict. Law of Armed Conflict Defined. The law of war, as defined by the Department of Defense, DOD, is that part of international law that regulates the resort to armed force, the conduct of hostilities, and the protection of war victims in both international and non-international armed conflict, belligerent occupation, and the relationships between belligerent neutral and non-belligerent states. The law of war is often called the law of armed conflict. While DOD uses the term law of war, most Air Force doctrine and publications continue to use the term law of armed conflict. The law of armed conflict arises from civilized nations' humanitarian desire to lessen the effects of conflicts. Law of armed conflict protects combatants, non-combatants, and civilians from unnecessary suffering and provides certain fundamental protections for persons who fall into the hands of the enemy particularly prisoners of war, civilians, and military wounded, sick, and shipwrecked. The law also tries to keep conflicts from degenerating into savagery and brutality, thereby helping to restore peace. Law of Armed Conflict Policy DODD 2311.01E, Department of Defense Law of War Program, requires each military department to design a program that ensures law of armed conflict observance prevents violations, ensures prompt reporting of alleged violations, appropriately trains all forces, and completes a legal review of new weapons. Law of armed conflict training is an obligation of the U.S. under provisions of the 1949 Geneva Convention's other law of war treaties and customary international law. AFI 51-401, Training and Reporting to Ensure Compliance with the Law of Armed Conflict, requires that all Air Force personnel receive instruction on the principles and rules of the law of armed conflict commiserate with each member's duties and responsibilities. The training is of a general nature. However, certain groups such as air crews, medical personnel, and security forces receive additional specialized training to address the unique situations they may encounter. International and Domestic Law The law of armed conflict is embodied in both customary international law and treaties. Customary international law, reflected in practices nations have come to accept as legally binding, establishes many of the oldest rules that govern the conduct of military operations in armed conflict. Article 6 of the U.S. Constitution states that treaty obligations of the U.S. are the supreme law of the land, and the U.S. Supreme Court has held that U.S. international legal obligations to include custom, is part of U.S. law. This means that treaties and international agreements with the U.S. enjoy equal status to laws passed by Congress and signed by the President. Therefore, all persons subject to U.S. law must observe the U.S. law of armed conflict obligations. Military personnel, civilians, and contractors authorized to accompany the armed forces in combat must consider the law of armed conflict to plan and execute operations and must obey law of armed conflict in combat. Those who commit violations may be criminally liable and court-martialed under the Uniform Code of Military Justice. Principles Five important law of armed conflict principles govern armed conflict. Military necessity, distinction, proportionality, humanity, and honor. Military necessity Military necessity is the principle that justifies the use of all measures needed to defeat the enemy as quickly and efficiently as possible that are not prohibited by the law of war. Attacks must be limited to military objectives. 
certain classes of persons are military objectives and may be made the object of attack. These classes of persons include combatants or unprivileged belligerents and civilians taking a direct part in hostilities. Military objectives, insofar as objects are concerned, include any objects which by its nature, location, purpose, or use make an effective contribution to military action and whose total or partial destruction, capture, or neutralization, in the circumstances ruling at the time, offer a definite military advantage. Examples include tanks, military aircraft, bases, supplies, lines of communication, and headquarters. Military necessity does not authorize all military action and destruction. Under no circumstances may military necessity authorize actions specifically prohibited by the law of war, such as the murder of prisoners of war, ill treatment of prisoners of war or internees, the taking of hostages, or execution or reprisal against a person or object specifically protected from reprisal. Humanity. Although military necessity justifies certain actions necessary to defeat the enemy as quickly and efficiently as possible, military necessity cannot justify actions not necessary to achieve this purpose, such as cruelty or wanton violence. Moreover, once a military purpose has been achieved, inflicting more suffering is unnecessary and should be avoided. For example, if an enemy combatant has been placed hors de combat, e.g. incapacitated by being severely wounded or captured, no military purpose is served by continuing to attack him or her. Thus, the principle of humanity forbids making enemy combatants who have been placed hors de combat the object of attack. Humanity animates certain law of war rules, including prohibitions on weapons, that are calculated to cause superfluous injury and prohibitions on weapons that are inherently indiscriminate. For example, the 1907 Hague Convention prohibits the use of poison or poisoned weapons in combat. Also, indiscriminate chemical, biological, and bacterial weapons are banned by treaties because they cause unnecessary suffering. However, Using rifles to shoot prisoners of war, strafing civilians, firing on shipwrecked mariners or downed aircrews are lawful weapons that may be used unlawfully. Distinction. This principle imposes a requirement to distinguish, also termed discriminate, between the civilian population or individual civilians not taking a direct part in the hostilities and combatant forces when engaged in military operations. Military force may be directed only against military objects or objectives and not against civilian objects. Civilian objects are protected from attack and include such objects as places of worship, schools, hospitals, and dwellings. Civilian objects can lose their protective status if they are used to make an effective contribution to military action. A defender has an obligation to separate civilians and civilian objects either in the defender's country or in an occupied area from military targets. Employment of voluntary or involuntary human shields to protect military objectives or individual military units or personnel is a fundamental violation of the law of war principle of distinction. Proportionality. Proportionality may be defined as the principle that even where one is justified in acting, one must not act in a way that is unreasonable or excessive. Proportionality generally weighs the justification for acting against the expected harms to determine whether the latter are disproportionate in comparison to the former. In war, incidental damage to the civilian population and civilian objects is unfortunate and tragic, but inevitable. Thus, applying the proportionality rule in conducting attacks 
does not require that no incidental damage result from attacks. Rather, this rule obliges persons to refrain from attacking where the expected harm incidental to such attacks would be excessive in relation to the military advantage anticipated to be gained. Proportionality most often refers to the standard applicable to persons conducting attacks. Proportionality considerations, however, may also be understood to apply to the party subject to attack, which must take feasible precautions to reduce the risk of incidental harm. Proportionality also plays a role in assessing whether weapons are prohibited because they are calculated to cause unnecessary suffering. Damages and casualties must be consistent with mission accomplishment and allowable risks to the attacking force. For example, the attacker need not expose its forces to extraordinary risks simply to avoid or minimize civilian losses. Honor. Honor requires a certain amount of fairness in offense and defense. In requiring a certain amount of fairness in offense and defense, honor reflects the principle that parties to a conflict must accept that certain limits exist on their ability to conduct hostilities. Honor also forbids resort to means, expedients, or conduct that would constitute a breach of trust with the enemy. For example, enemies must deal with one another in good faith in their non-hostile relations. And even in the conduct of hostilities, good faith prohibits, number one, killing or wounded enemy persons by resort to perfidy, number two, misusing certain signs, number three, fighting in the enemy's uniform, number four, feigning non-hostile relations in order to seek a military advantage, and number five, compelling nationals of a hostile party to take part in the operations of war directed against their own country. Honor, however, does not forbid parties from using ruses and other lawful deceptions against which the enemy ought to take measures to protect itself. The Protection of War Victims and Classes of Persons Some of the most important law of armed conflict rules come from the Geneva Conventions of 1949. The Geneva Conventions consist of four separate international treaties that aim to protect all persons taking no active part in hostilities, including members of armed forces, who have laid down their arms and those placed hors de combat by sickness, wounds, detention, or any other cause. These treaties also seek to protect civilians and private property. Categories of Personnel Geneva Convention Distinctions The Geneva Conventions distinguished between combatants, non-combatants, and civilians. Combatants Three classes of persons qualify as lawful or privileged combatants. Number one, members of the armed forces of a state that is party to a conflict aside from certain categories of medical and religious personnel. Number two, under certain conditions, members of militia or volunteer corps that are not part of the armed forces of a state but belong to a state. And number three, inhabitants of an area who participate in a kind of popular uprising to defend against foreign invaders, known as levée en masse. A combatant is commanded by a person responsible for subordinates, wears fixed distinctive emblems recognizable at a distance, such as uniforms, carries arms openly, and conducts his or her combat operations according to law of armed conflict. Lawful or privileged combatants are entitled to prisoner of war status if captured and cannot be prosecuted for their lawful conduct in an armed conflict. Non-combatants Non-combatants include certain military personnel who are members of the armed forces not authorized to engage in combatant activities, such as permanent medical personnel and chaplains. Non-combatants must be respected and protected 
and may not be made the object of attack. Civilians. Civilians are also protected persons and may not be made the object of direct attack. They may, however, suffer injury or death incident to a direct attack on a military objective without such an attack violating law of armed conflict, if such an attack is on a lawful target by lawful means. With limited exceptions, the law of armed conflict does not authorize civilians to take an active or direct part in hostilities. Civilians who take a direct part in hostilities without authority to do so are unprivileged belligerent and can be made the object of attack when participating in hostiles. Unprivileged belligerence, a distinction not made by the Geneva Conventions. The term unprivileged belligerent is not used in the Geneva Conventions. The term unprivileged belligerent, as defined in the DOD Manual on the Law of War, includes lawful combatants who have forfeited the privileges of combatant status by engaging in spying or sabotage, and private persons who have forfeited one or more of the protections of civilian status by engaging in hostilities. An unprivileged belligerent is an individual who is not authorized by a state that is party to a conflict to take part in hostilities but does so anyway. For example, civilians who plant improvised explosive devices are unprivileged belligerents. Undetermined status. Should doubt exist as to whether a captured individual is a lawful combatant, non-combatant, or an unprivileged belligerent, the individual will receive the protections of the Geneva Prisoner of War Convention until status is determined. Military Objectives The law of armed conflict governs the conduct of aerial warfare. The principle of military necessity authorizes aerial attacks on combatants and other lawful military objectives. Military objectives are limited to those objects or installations that by their own nature, location, purpose, or use make an effective contribution to military action and whose total or partial destruction, capture, or neutralization in the circumstances existing at the time offer a definite military advantage. Protection of Civilians and Civilian Objects Law of armed conflict protects civilian populations. Military attacks against cities, towns, or villages not justified by military necessity are forbidden. Attacking civilians for the sole purpose of terrorizing them is also prohibited. Although civilians may not be made the object of a direct attack, law of armed conflict recognizes that a military objective need not be spared because its destruction may cause collateral damage that results in the unintended death or injury to civilians or damage to their property. Commanders and their planners must take into consideration the extent of damage to civilian objects and casualties anticipated as a result of an attack on a military objective and seek to avoid or minimize civilian casualties and destruction. Anticipated damage to civilian objects and civilian casualties must not be disproportionate to the military advantage sought. Judge advocate, intelligence, and operations personnel play a critical role in determining the propriety of a target and the choice of weapon to be used under the particular circumstances known to the commander when planning an attack. Protected Objects The law of armed conflict provides specific protection to certain objects, including medical units or establishments, transports of wounded and sick personnel, military and civilian hospital ships, safety zones established under the Geneva Conventions, religious, cultural, and charitable buildings, monuments, and prisoner of war camps. However, if these protected objects are used for military purposes, they lose their protective status. 
protected objects near lawful military objectives that suffer collateral damage when the nearby military objectives are lawfully engaged does not violate law of armed conflict. Aircraft and Combat Enemy Military Aircraft and Air Crew Enemy military aircraft may be attacked and destroyed whenever found, unless in neutral airspace or territory. Airmen who parachute from a disabled aircraft and offer no resistance may not be attacked. Airmen who resist in descent or are downed behind their own lines and who continue to fight may be subject to attack. The rules of engagement for a particular operation often include additional guidance for attacking enemy aircraft consistent with law of armed conflict obligations. Enemy civilian aircraft. An enemy's public and private non-military aircraft are generally not subject to attack unless used for a military purpose. Since World War II, nations have increasingly recognized the necessity to avoid attacking civil aircraft. Under exceptional conditions, however, civil aircraft in flight may be lawfully attacked. If a civil aircraft initiates an attack, it may be considered an immediate military threat and may be lawfully attacked. An immediate military threat justifying an attack may also exist when reasonable suspicion exists of a hostile intent, such as when a civil aircraft approaches a military base at high speed or enters enemy territory without permission and disregards signals or warnings to land or proceed to a designated place. Military Medical Aircraft Military medical aircraft are used exclusively for the removal of the wounded and sick and for the transport of medical personnel and equipment. Military medical aircraft are entitled to protection from attack by enemy combatants while flying at heights, times, and on routes specifically agreed upon between the parties to the conflict. Under law of armed conflict, a military medical aircraft could be lawfully attacked and destroyed if military medical aircraft initiates an attack, does not bear a clearly marked red cross, red crescent, or other recognized symbol, and is not otherwise known to be engaged in medical operations at the time does not fly at heights at times or on routes specifically agreed to by the parties to the conflict and is not otherwise known to be engaged in medical operations at the time, flies over enemy territory or enemy-occupied territory unless otherwise agreed upon by the parties and is not otherwise known to be engaged in medical operations at the time, approaches enemy's territory or a combat zone and disregards a summons to land and is not otherwise known to be engaged in medical operations at the time. Enforcing Law of Armed Conflict Rules Prosecution Military members who violate law of armed conflict are subject to criminal prosecution and punishment. Criminal prosecutions may take place in a national or international forum. U.S. armed forces could be prosecuted by a court-martialed under the Uniform Code of Military Justice or through an international military tribunal, such as those used in Nuremberg and Tokyo after World War II. I was only following orders generally is not accepted by national or international tribunals as a war crime defense. Individual airmen are responsible for their actions and must comply with the law of armed conflict. Commanders can also be held criminally responsible for the actions of their subordinates through the doctrine of command responsibility. Commanders can be held criminally liable for the conduct of their subordinates when they issued illegal orders or when they either knew or should have known that their subordinates were committing war crimes. Reprisal. Reprisals are the commission of otherwise illegal acts that, under the circumstances, may be justified as a last resort to put an end to illegal acts committed first by the adversary. For example, 
If any enemy employs illegal weapons against a state, the victim may resort to the use of weapons that would otherwise be unlawful in order to compel the enemy to cease using the weapon. Reprisals can be legally justified if they meet certain requirements. Authority to approve reprisals is held at the highest decision-making level. Only the president of the U.S. as commander-in-chief may authorize U.S. forces to take such an action. Reporting Violations AFPD 51-4 includes guidance for personnel who suspect or have information which might reasonably be viewed as a violation of the law of armed conflict committed by or against U.S. personnel, enemy personnel, or any other individual shall promptly report the violation to their immediate commander. An Air Force member who knows or receives a report of an apparent law of armed conflict violation must inform his or her commander. This includes violations by the enemy, allies, U.S. armed forces, or others. If the allegation involves or may involve a U.S. commander, the report should be made to the next higher U.S. command authority. Particular circumstances may require that the report be made to the nearest judge advocate, inspector general, a special agent in the Office of Special Investigations, or a security forces member. Rules of Engagement Rules of engagement exist to ensure use of force in an operation occurs according to national policy goals, mission requirements, and the rule of law. In general, rules of engagement set parameters for when, where, how, why, and against whom commanders and their airmen may use force. Mission-specific rules of engagement present a more detailed application of law of armed conflict principles, tailored to the political and military nature of a mission which are contained in execution orders, operation plans, and operations orders. All airmen have a duty and a legal obligation to understand, remember, and apply mission rules of engagement. Failure to comply with rules of engagement may be punishable under the Uniform Code of Military Justice. The U.S. Standing Rules of Engagement, approved by the President and Secretary of Defense and issued by the Chairman, Joint Chiefs of Staff provide implementation guidance on the inherent right of self-defense and the application of force for mission accomplishment. Commanders at every echelon have an obligation to ensure that mission rules of engagement comply with the standing rules of engagement. Self-defense. The fundamental U.S. policy on self-defense is repeatedly stated throughout the standing rules of engagement. These rules do not limit a commander's inherent authority an obligation to use all necessary means available to take all appropriate actions in self-defense of the commander's unit and other U.S. forces in the vicinity. Self-defense methods include national, collective, unit, and individual. Several elements must be considered before undertaking the use of force in self-defense. De-escalation. When time and circumstances permit, the forces committing hostile acts or hostile intent should be warned and given the opportunity to withdraw or cease threatening actions. Necessity. Rules of engagement necessity exist if a hostile act is committed or hostile intent is demonstrated against U.S. forces or other designated persons or property. A hostile act is defined as force used against the U.S., U.S. forces, designated persons, and property, or intended to impede the mission of U.S. forces. Hostile intent is the threat of imminent use of force against the U.S., U.S. forces, designated persons, and property, or intended to impede the mission of U.S. forces. Rules of engagement necessity relate to the threat perceived by an individual and is different from the law of armed conflict concept of military necessity. Proportionality 
In self-defense, U.S. forces may only use the amount of force necessary to decisively counter a hostile act or a demonstration of hostile intent and ensure the continued safety of U.S. forces or other designated persons and property. Force used must be reasonable in intensity, duration, and magnitude compared to the threat based on facts known to the commander at the time. Rules of engagement proportionality refers to the reasonableness of the response to a threat and is different to the law of armed conflict concept of proportionality. Pursuit U.S. forces can pursue and engage a hostile force that has committed a hostile act or demonstrated a hostile intent if those forces continue to commit hostile acts or demonstrate hostile intent. Applicable rules of engagement may restrict a place limitations on U.S. forces' ability to pursue or engage a hostile force across an international border.